welcome to episode 166 of Board Game Blitz, a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to get that Nintendo cartridge to boot up properly, even if you blow on it first. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about video games as board games. First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, Lock, The Mysterious Case of Dancing Mania, and Nicodemus. Then, we talk about video games that we'd like to see get board game adaptations. And now, here are your hosts, Amby and Crystal. Before we hop into the main episode, I wanted to remind you all that this coming weekend, if you're listening to this episode around the time it releases, is the next TLN Marathon. And our time slot is at 2 p.m. Pacific time on Sunday the 25th. So if you want to see what we're streaming for TLN this month, come stop by. It's a different time slot than we usually have. Hopefully we'll be able to hit up some of our more international listeners and viewers. And we hope to see you there. All right, for my recently played, I'm not going to talk about board games because recently I've been playing some solo puzzle type books. So one of them is called Locke, which is a puzzle book by Blosh Urban Grassar. This is, so it's not a board game, <laughs> but, but it's a puzzle book that's like different than other puzzle books I've played. Basically, there's this kind of made up language and you discover the rules for the game book puzzle throughout the book so it starts off with like there's these little squares with letters in them in each square so it's like a grid of squares but not always in a grid sometimes they make up different shapes but it's basically a bunch of blocks and you're trying to black out all of the blocks so your goal each puzzle is to black out all the blocks and then each word there's different words like lock is one of the words l-o-k that has a rule if you black out the letters l-o-k in a row then this is the first rule and and so this isn't a spoiler this is like the first puzzle it's it says you can black out one other square so you're trying to like find these letters that spell words that give you other abilities to black out all of the squares of the puzzle and then as as the book goes on you learn new words and it ends up having like eight words or something or uh, it's not actually that many but like there's a lot of puzzles and it's uh, pretty it gets pretty difficult trying to figure out like how to black out the words and some of the words get the abilities that you or that you use are, are pretty complex <laughs> so I really enjoy this but I like the way it introduces the rules because it doesn't tell you strictly the rules except for like the first one but like it just tells you it shows you a puzzle and like oh there's a new word it tells you what the new word is sometimes and then it's like this puzzle is solvable so what does the new word do and so you it gives you a few puzzles and then you kind of figure out because you know what you can do with the other word and then like okay if this this is solvable then this word must do something that blacks out these squares and so you kind of figure out what it does which i think is really cool it's it's really neat how it introduces the new rules but yeah, it's it's not like anything I've ever really played before. <laughs> so so it's hard to like explain what it is. But I, I've played a, a lot of like, I like puzzle games and puzzle video games and stuff. And so Locke is a puzzle book that's like kind of like a puzzle video game, I guess. More so than like a puzzle book. It's not like a logic puzzle book or anything. I don't know. <laughs> it feels more video game-esque than other yeah. puzzle game things you've played in the past, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that, that fits perfectly with our theme for today. <laughs> yeah, it does. But yeah, I also play it. It's available as a physical book, but I actually played it as a PDF. So it's available as a, a PDF that you can download and just pay what you want for the PDF. The physical book costs at least $12 or something. But um, 
you you can do it PDF or physical book. It's probably be more fun to do it the physical book than the PDF. But like when I started it, the physical book wasn't available because he's doing it. He's self-publishing it and and has limited copies. So it was between print runs and I wanted to play. So I got the PDF and then I was already like mostly done. I'm like, okay, then it's not worth getting the book when I'm already mostly done. Yeah, because, that makes yeah. sense. But it's really fun. And it also like, it's really neat. It has like different chapters where it introduces the new puzzles and the chapters have a, like a title page that has art on it, but the art is also a puzzle in itself. And Ooh. so like everything that has art of the little blocks and it's it's got these cute little like worms too but the worms are just just art but like everything that has this art and the letters and stuff everything is a puzzle even though it doesn't really look like it would be a puzzle <laughs> it's all puzzles so there's like hidden puzzles throughout the book which is really neat so yeah that was lock l-o-k and then i also wanted to mention briefly a review copy of a escape room type puzzle book that I got from Wacky Wheels. It's called The Mysterious Case of the Dancing Mania. I mean, the name alone has me interested, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> Yeah. So this is a new subscription escape room type service from Wacky Wheels. And this is the first book in the subscription. The reason I'm talking about it now, I haven't finished it yet. I've played like half of it and it took like a couple of hours, but it's the first book in the subscription series and that starts, they ship it out at the beginning of October. So I wanted to talk about it before that happens, but then I, they'll have it as standalone later, I think. So I'll talk about it again after I finish, but basically it's all in a book and has different escape room type puzzles that are self-contained. You don't need to know like ciphers or anything or like Morse code yet. I don't know. I haven't finished it yet, but, but so far there were like some things that were like more mathy word, mathy puzzles and some that were more like word puzzles or like looking through different letters and figuring out what, what the answer is. But yeah, it's all themed around the dancing mania, which I looked up and apparently that was like actually a thing. A lot of people just like danced until they died or something like kind of a mystery that was never solved so Ooh. this is about that and then like you're trying to figure out the reason and <laughs> how so... fun and also morbid <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't know it was actually a real thing until i like googled mysterious case of dancing dancing mania without like the the other wacky wheels and stuff yeah and then it came up to a wikipedia page i was like oh oh okay <laughs> but yeah I, I enjoyed this it, you solve the solution you read through the book and there's a bunch of different questions that you answer and you it, you have your own page online where you answer the questions so you use the internet to answer the questions like type in submit a form and then it keeps track of that your own special page and then it keeps track of your score for you you got docked points for for getting it wrong or for getting hints. And there's a hint system, which I haven't used yet, but, but it's probably good. After you've answered the questions, it shows you like the explanation of the answer. And I looked at that and it's like, okay, yeah, that's what I did. Okay, so so it seems like the hints might be good too. But yeah, that's The Mysterious Case of Dancing Media by Wacky Wheels, which is a subscription service. You'll be getting new escape rooms every three months. So that sounds pretty neat. It does sound neat. Well, I recently received a review copy of a game that came out in 2021 called Nicodemus. Nicodemus is published by Bombix and designed by Bruno Cathala and Florian C. 
Siriax. That's a very butchering of his last name. I apologize, Florian. So Nicodemus is a two-player only game where the two players are handymen who are vying to take control of the Dream Factory when Nicodemus Gideon retires. And so the two of you are trying to prove yourselves basically to be the one who is going to take over. I will say, given that the theme is not super prevalent in the gameplay, but just wanted to give you some context. So there's a board out in the middle of the table that has two rows that you can place cards on. And those cards are all machines. The board is called the bric-a-brac. And you're putting these dream machines onto the bric-a-brac. Each player has cards in their hand. And when you play cards out onto the bric-a-brac, you can do different things with them. You can either activate the ability at the top of the machine. You can use the point value on the machine to collect charcoalium, which is a one of the resources in the game. Or you can actually, instead of put, playing one from your hand, you can repair one of the machines that's already on the bric-a-brac by play, paying the resources necessary that are listed on it. It's interesting because there are two rows of five slots. And if you want to repair a machine that is not the last one that was placed, you actually have to place charcoalium on every machine in f that's beyond it in the line. And so as the players continue to play out cards, it gets harder to get to the machines that were played out earlier. And then there are projects that you want to complete. And those projects are goals like you would see in lots of types of games, like repair two machines that have a three point value or two machines that have crystal as one of their resources at the top. It felt a little bit kind of like Splendor in that way or games of that ilk because when you would complete these machines, they would give you resources that you could use to complete the objectives, but unlike games like Splendor, where you keep all of the things that you've already built, in this game, once you utilize them to complete a project, they go away. So there's this dance of, do I keep these machines in front of me that I've already repaired to use their resources to do other things, or do I complete the project now because the project will give me victory points, but now I won't have those resources sitting in front of me to use, so I'll have to collect more. The first player to get to 20 points triggers the end of the game, and then the players ensure that they've taken an equal number of turns and whoever has the most points wins. The artwork is absolutely gorgeous. The artist is someone I'm not super familiar with, Felidius Bubastis. The name is not familiar to me, but the artwork is like almost a little grotesque, but like in a cool way. It's kind of steampunk meets... Alice in Wonderland meets, I don't know, it's kind of hard to describe, but it's very like ethereal and weird and yeah, like machiney, but animalistic. I it's it's really cool. And it plays lightning fast. This game is super quick to play. Most of the machines that you're building will give you anywhere from one to three points a piece. And then the projects that you're completing also give you somewhere in the vicinity of like two or three points. So getting to 20 doesn't actually take that long. There's only the four resources in the game, wood, copper, crystal, and then the charcoalium. And that's 
it. So it's relatively simple to learn. I love Bruno Cathala games, so I was really excited to try this one. And I think it's a snappy little two-player game. It's definitely not my favorite Bruno Cathala game. You know, he's got some really good ones in his repertoire, some stuff that I really love. But this is a neat one. And honestly, I think the artwork alone almost kind of sold me on this because it's so pretty. But again, a little grotesque. I don't know how to, how those two things are simultaneous, <laughs> but they are. And yeah, so I would say if you like kind of like light engine building style games and you play at a two player player count frequently, this might be one that you want to take a look at. So that is Nicodemus from Bombix. Yeah, I looked at the artwork. <laughs> I just was looking at it after you were mentioning it. Like, do and... you see what I mean? Like, it's kind of, yeah, yeah like it's, it's gross, but like not. <laughs> But I looked at it, it looks a lot like Imaginarium, which I had seen before. But like, I, I looked at it, it's, it's the universe of Imaginarium. So, oh, well, then same, that would explain it. Same art style. Aha! <laughs> All right, Ambie, I know this is a board game podcast, but let's talk about video games for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've talked about video games just as video games before, but, but today True. we're going to talk about video games as board games or potentially <laughs> as there, board games, it, right? it seems like every year that passes the lines between video game world and board game world <laughs> have merged more and more and yeah. there has been crossover in both directions yeah i guess there's a lot of like board games as video games i don't particularly like those though like hearthstone and um other <laughs> video <laughs> games with cards i, I don't tend to like card game video games as much as just like a board game <laughs> okay but and I, we'll talk about this in a minute but have you played slay the spire no i have not <laughs> oh it's so good ambi like i feel like no obviously not every game is for everybody but like i don't think i know anyone who dislikes slay the spire it's a really nice deck building game and like roguelike and i don't again but, like, i don't like roguelikes I don't like typically roguelikes really or deck building video i don't games, either so, like... i know that's what's wild about slay the spire and speaking of that kind of was one of the things that triggered this episode for me is that the company that makes Slay the Spire has made a board game version of it. Mm -hmm. um, I have not gotten a chance to play the prototype of it yet, but I am in their Discord and I'm hoping to at some point. And then friend of the show, Slivers, actually tweeted this idea at us of talking about video games that we would like to see as board games and how we think they might work. But mm -hmm. I feel like we'd be doing a disservice to this topic if we didn't talk about, like, there are a lot of video video games that have gotten mm -hmm. board game adaptations, especially in the yeah. past decade. Yeah. I don't think I've played that many of them, though. One of the recent ones that I want to play was Stardew Valley, because that's a cooperative game. Although I've heard, like, mixed reviews about it, so... Yeah, so I've, I've heard the sure. same. I've heard people be like, it's... Like, I don't think anybody hates it, but I think most people are kind of like, I'd just rather play the video game. Yeah, yeah. And that's mostly what I'm worried about with like these crossover things, like with digital versions of board games, I guess. I'd just rather play the board game. And then I feel like with the other way, it'd probably be I'd just rather play the video game. Yeah, it's interesting because they're uh, like, I know this is technically not our topic today. Although if we haven't done digital implementations of board games recently, we should maybe revisit that topic in an upcoming mm -hmm. episode because I have found, like I've downloaded some board game apps and found that the campaigns that they build into some of the app versions mm -hmm. of things mm -hmm. are really interesting because I don't typically play board games solo. 
But in in app form, like I have Raiders of the North Sea on my iPad and I adore the campaign because Mm -hmm. it changes the like what is on the board and what you have access to. And it gives your uh, opponents like an advantage over you in some scenarios. And so it like changes it up and it makes it really fun and dynamic in a way that I I don't know for certain that the physical board game doesn't do that, but I've never actually played the Raiders (laughs) of the North Sea board game. I've only played the app. So... And I guess that's a thing with video games that turn into board game versions. Like, I guess the Stardew Valley one, talking about that, uh, it's a co-op board game. So you play with other people instead of just solo. So that's what the board game version has over a video game version. Because most video games are just playing like, well, nowadays, a lot of video games are just playing like by yourself. You're not, you don't have LAN parties. <laughs> anymore oh my gosh I do miss a good (laughs) land party yeah when I was in college we were at my friend Bill's apartment this is not a large apartment it was a two-bedroom apartment but it was not big and like three people would be out in the living room on like and these are full pcs that we would drag over obviously we like most of us didn't have laptops at this point and like one person would had to be sit in the closet like actually inside (laughs) the closet because like I think we ran out of outlets or something I don't know I'm shocked we didn't like blow a breaker (laughs) It was a lot, but we would play Warcraft 3, like custom maps and things like that. Oh, I do love a good land party. I kind of miss those days. Yeah, I miss that too. (laughs) So the Stardew Valley thing, the Slay the Spire game, I believe is going to be similar. It goes from Mm -hmm. a single player experience in the video game to a cooperative experience in the board game. Mm -hmm. So I think that's probably part of the reason that some of these video games have been able to be translated into board games is because cooperative games as a genre have become more popular over the Mm -hmm. past decade or two. And so Mm -hmm. I imagine that kind of opened up people's like minds to the possibility of like, oh, I could take this experience that was single player and we can break it down and break it out and have multiple Mm -hmm. people do it all at the same time. Now, whether that experience translates well or not, obviously, you know, is going to be hit or miss depending on who the developers are. And as we've discussed on the show in the past, when you take certain intellectual properties and put them into board games, sometimes they are amazing and sometimes Mm -hmm. they fall really flat. And I think that applies to video game adaptations of board games as well. There have definitely been some big hits and some big misses that have already come out. And Mm -hmm. I will say I was heartbroken heartbroken when the fallout board game came out because oh yeah i remember that (laughs) uh, yeah oh i i went all out when my friend brought that game over i dressed up in my vault 111 hoodie i had my dog meat plushie i had the republic banner behind me i was ready to go and then we played that game and i was like oh this is not fun (laughs) and i was i was so bummed and i've heard that like maybe some of the expansions fix some of the things that I didn't like about the base game. So I'm not saying the Fallout board game is bad, but it was not the experience I wanted. And there were some very frustrating things in it for me. But then they released a board game based on Fallout Shelter, the app game that is made by the same people who make Fallout. And apparently that board game, the Fallout Shelter board game, is really super fun. I haven't gotten to play it. (laughs) But like, I wouldn't have even thought like, and that opens up a whole new world, right? app games are video games and there are so many good app games that I think could translate over into board the board game world 
But I think like translating a video game into a board game is hard because you can't make it the same because board games and video games are different. And so people will be disappointed either way (laughs) because like people will want it to be exactly like the video game, but then it won't be, or if it is exactly like the video game, then it's not a good board game. (laughs) Yeah. Like they're, they're completely different mediums. So yeah, it has to be like different. So like one, the Space Invaders board game was actually a re-theme of Flip Ships. Which everybody knew Flip Ships was yeah. basically Space Invaders, <laughs> but they didn't have the license for it. And then I guess somebody got the license. But, but, it, but it's a different, like you're not... It's an entirely you're, you're different doing, thing, right? Yeah, it's an entirely different type of game because it's a dexterity game and like the video game... You're, you're shooting things. It's like, it's more of a speed thing. <laughs> Whereas like flip ships, you're taking turns, flicking things over to the other ships and stuff. So it doesn't feel completely like Space Invaders. It doesn't have like the full feeling. I mean, it has the same theme and stuff, but it doesn't feel like the video game. Right. But it's like a good board game. I actually played, there's a free print and play game called 8-Bit Invaders that has more of a Space Invaders feel. It like actually has the grid of aliens and you're like shooting up in the line and if you shoot one you can shoot the one behind it and stuff so that has more of the video game feel but it's also just a solo game like the video game so okay (laughs) yeah so what you said kind of brings up a good point it's when a video game is being translated into a board game what's more important is the theme of the game what you're trying to translate over or the mechanisms of the game because like the mechanisms I think in like to your point are often very difficult to translate over from Mm -hmm. video games into board games but then you have things like super skill pinball designed by Jeff Engelstein and like whether pinball I mean pinball is a video game it is I you know whatever it's it's (laughs) a little different game (laughs) it's its own category kind of but like When you play super skill pinball, it feels like you're playing pinball, which is wild to me. Mm-hmm. It it's it really recreates the feeling and it also contains cool themes. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. the themes in the game don't match existing pinball machines, so they're not translated one to one, but they do exactly what thematic pinball games do. Yeah. And I just got I just got the Star Trek version in my hands. Oh, it just cool. came this week. I haven't played it yet, but I'm so excited. <laughs> Yay! But yeah, like I think a lot of times the the mechanics won't be the same, and then that's what like people who play the video games they probably like it unless it's just like a story game. They like it because of the mechanics, right? So like Stardew Valley, you like just like farming and stuff, and I mean the theme is cute too. But like you like the gameplay too, too. Like otherwise you probably wouldn't be playing the video game. I mean, if the board game does not let me date everyone in the town, then I'm not here for it. Because that was my favorite part of Stardew Valley. I can literally be dating everybody at the same time. Yeah, Stardew Valley just has like so much stuff that you can do, right? It's just so open. Like that would be hard. I I don't know how the board game does it, so. Yeah, well, I mean, there are now more, sandbox is the wrong word, but sandbox Mm -hmm. style epic adventure board games like Mm -hmm. gloomhaven i think is kind of a good example of that because it's even though it's scenario based you're kind of like going through a story through a world different Mm -hmm. characters showing up and leaving and things like that and so i think the groundwork exists where you could take some of these bigger open world video games and turn them into a board game but it's a matter of like do we need to? What can we add to the experience with this? Because if you're just trying to translate it one-to-one, you know, is it adding anything new or is it just a cash grab? Like you're trying to hook people who really like the video game into buying a board game. I'm sure mm-hmm. for some 
translations that is the case like they're trying to just cash in on the popularity of a thing but mm. i've also played board game versions of video games that were really good like xenoshift i've never played the video game but i played the board game with people who have played the video game and mm. from their point of view it captured the feeling of the game pretty well and so i thought that was kind of neat and i really liked the board game the, the experience was fun yeah so what video games would you like to see as board games that aren't already board games well the one that like has been on my list for literally years is zork i <laughs> love the zork series which for anyone who's not familiar zork started as a text-based adventure game literally just words on a screen you would type in commands and see what happens you are likely to be eaten by a gru is the kind of phrase like if you go into the dark in zork you're gonna get eaten but the zork series progressed throughout the couple decades beyond when the first game released and, you know, got modernized along with other computer games. And so I actually really liked some of the later Zork games that were not text-based. They were full kind of open world puzzle solving games. I actually likened them to things like Myst, but irreverent, like funny and a little dirty and quirky and weird. Mm -hmm. So I actually liked Zork better than games like Myst because I enjoyed the humor in them. Mm -hmm. And I think the world of Zork is rife with like lots of different things because there have been so many games over the years that you could take that world and make a new experience in a board game, but with the mm -hmm. same kind of tropes and humor and things that you've seen throughout. And I think that probably is the case for a lot of different like larger video game series. I think The Legend of Zelda is a good example. Nintendo is likely probably not ever <laughs> going to develop a dedicated Legend of Zelda like adventure board game. But mm -hmm. how cool would it be to see something like Ocarina of Time where you could... What's the board game that lets you travel back and forth in time to like change stuff? Not Time Stories, although that is uh, <laughs> something too. Oh, Anachrony? Yes, Anachrony. Thank okay. you. So like something, I, I'm not, I've never played Anachrony, so I'm not saying that you game exactly. You don't actually get to like travel back. You just But yeah, like a game where stuff. you could travel through time uh -huh. and be your younger self or your older self and affect things. Like I think I, that that idea has legs. I was actually thinking of making like a Time Story scenario that was Legend of Zelda themed. <laughs> oh really Back see and when... i wanted to make a time story scenario that was zork themed so <laughs> i don't know which zelda this is but there is a print and play game um on board game geek available for free print and play but it's a lot of printing that's that's zelda themed and i've heard good things about it i just haven't played it so okay. like someone just made it because of nintendo rights and stuff like not likely to ever be fully published game or anything but but yeah. yeah like they just it's it's available to print and play so it's on my list of maybe when i have a, feel like printing a lot of stuff which probably <laughs> not likely but i don't even own a printer anymore so i'd like have to like sneakily yeah. print it at work and i don't think that I, that would probably not be a smart idea <laughs> I want to see Portal as a board game. And yes, I know what you're mm -hmm. thinking, dear listener who knows that there is a Portal board game already, the uncooperative whatever. I don't game or something. Yeah, like <laughs> no, that it doesn't it, it's the Portal it. theme, but it is nothing like the Portal game. And I yeah. want a board game where you can shoot portals and like do things that you wouldn't be able to do normally. Like, and I, I get that the physicality of a video yeah, game is drastically to... different than a board <laughs> game, but like, I feel like you could do something really interesting with that. Like, some you know, like a 3D puzzle game, huh? 
something. something, right? Like you have to figure out a way to be able to get to certain places. And I think it would actually be easier in a physical space, like mm. in a cardboard version than it is in the video game. Because in the video game, you can't really see everything all at once because mm. you're small and in the room. Whereas if, you know, we're basically giants looking down at the room, like what could we do with that? I think there's room. And honestly, just the theme, like that. there's this, basically robot overlord who is uh, <laughs> subjecting you to endless testing. I think there there could be some fun legs on that idea. Yeah. And yeah, now I'm trying to think of like other puzzle games because I've been I've been getting into a lot of like puzzle video games, like block pushing ones or like just other types of puzzles. I guess I mean <laughs> like the lock that I talked about earlier was more yeah. like a video game, but in a book form. But then yeah, so like with Portal, it could be some sort of like 3D puzzle where you're trying to like get to different spaces and maybe you have like a limited number of movements or something in order to get to your goal and yeah there's a bunch so of, like technically like it looks impossible campaign. right like yeah. get from here to here in yeah x number of moves yeah. and that you can't just walk because it won't work <laughs> so like what can you do to make it work yeah that'd be cool i i put a couple others on my list i love mm -hmm. hades i have no idea i don't think you could ever distill hades down into a board game but i have to put it on here because i love it so much i think Star Fox would actually be an interesting one. There are a lot of mm. space combat style board games already, yeah. but I think the Star Fox theme would be fun. It's a little less serious than some of the themes that currently exist in like space battle tabletop games. So I mm. think that that would be like maybe a fun like family game potentially if it was mm. done right. And then the last one I'll mention, which most people probably won't even know, there was a claymation game back in the 90s called The Neverhood. And I was obsessed with it. I played through that game more times than I could count. And it was all shot in claymation in stop motion, the whole game. And it is beautiful. And it's all puzzle solving. It's point and click puzzle solving. And we've seen examples of mm -hmm. point and click games in tabletop. And the Neverhood is just kind of a really fun theme with like this weird world of wacky creatures. And I would just love to see something like that in a board game. Yeah, I, I also like point and click games on video games. Uh, so yeah, I like the point and click. Like we played the adventure games. Those are kind of like point and click. Yeah. I, I have Cantaloupe and haven't played it yet. But I that's... know, me too. We, we should, you know what? We should play that together maybe at some point. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so... I'm excited for those. And I guess because of like IP issues, you're probably not going to get a lot of these as yes. actual board games. So it's nice that we have these other options of new stories, but like similar mechanisms to what we would want. <laughs> right. No, that's a good point. Like most of the stuff that you and I are talking about here likely will <laughs> never happen because... Yeah you know, the rights are owned by different companies and those companies are not board game producers, typically. Mm -hmm. Although, of course, you can see something like Mechs versus Minions, which came out from the people who make yeah. League of Legends. They just decided to up and oh, make yeah. a board game one day. Yeah. And that doesn't feel like League of Legends at all. No, not at all. But they, you know, so maybe maybe some video game. game companies will see how board games are growing in popularity and want to hop onto the train with the rest of us who know that board games are where it's at. They're so fun. <laughs> yeah. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, BoardGameBlitz.com, for video and blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. Profits of Doom will be coming to crowdfunding later this year. So stay tuned for more exciting details. 
Don't forget, Blitzkin Heroes get 20% off non-exclusive items at GreyBoxGames.com by using the code GFGBLITZ2022 at checkout. Join the Blitzkin community for game nights and more on Discord. They're following the link in the show notes. Leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast app or Spotify to help others find our show. And if you want to listen to our uncut audio and get an invite to our private Slack channel, visit patreon.com slash boardgameblitz. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Martin. Technical support provided by Toby Now. Until next time, they're a board game wizard. There has to be a twist. A board game wizard got such a big geek list. Bye, everyone. Bye. This week, we're talking about board games as video games. Wait. No. Oh, yeah. It's the other way around. Video games <laughs> as board games. Yes, it's the other way around. <laughs> this week, we're talking about.